Amen. Amen, dear saints. I hope uh, everyone can hear. Uh, is it coming through okay? Very good. Amen. Uh, saints, this morning, um, as Brother Ben uh, 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 took note of already, our uh, title, the title to this fellowship, uh, is Cooperating with God for His Move as Parents. Cooperating with His God for with God for His move as parents. I hope that we would all realize that as parents, even as grandparents, even as aunts and uncles and older brothers and sisters, we have a charge. We have a commission in 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 the Word to to carry out a commission in our family because our families are intertwined with God's eternal economy. Um, it says, uh, continuing, it says, as parents entrusted with their children to cultivate and nurture them in the Lord. So actually, this title is bringing together our family life with God's economy. And uh, I'd like to, to make it clear, especially to any who uh, maybe this is the first time that you've joined us for such a conference. Um, we, we don't often have, uh, uh, you know, sessions like this where the fellowship is focused a little bit more on the, the family life or, or the, 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 the children, the, the, the young people, the next generation. Um, but, but we like to make it clear that we come to this topic with, with, um, with the viewpoint of God's economy because, because actually the whole Bible has this viewpoint of God's economy. Yet at the same time, talks very much about our children uh not in detail not with not with like clear instructions there's no uh book that would that you can pick out except maybe for a few verses in the book of proverbs that will tell us uh uh you know something about it particularly the discipline uh, uh of our children but there are hardly <laughs> any other clear verses maybe in the books of ephesians and colossians uh, there are two or three verses that are directed to, to parents, but there's a, there, there are a lot of examples and a lot of patterns here and there that we could draw from. However, we want to make it clear that our goal, our goal is not just, uh, to share something to the saints, to have, uh, uh, uh we hope you have a nicer, happier family life. Uh, sorry. Uh, we, we do, we indeed do, but, but that's not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is that God would have his economy accomplished and fulfilled in this age to usher in the next age. But do you know, do you know that even in this kind of what, what we call turning of the age, our children play a vital role. <laughs> our children play a vital role. We touched some key verses, and uh, I, I won't. I, I don't want to take the time to to review that that much, uh, because actually, saints, um, in my feeling, out of the fellowship with the brothers uh, in these past few days, and particularly uh, last night and this morning, as I'm with the Lord, uh, my feeling is this: that that um, we will we will touch the burden of this outline, but not getting into all the detailed points. Uh, so even if you haven't printed out the outline, don't, don't worry about that. You can do that later. Uh, uh, we'll read a little bit. I'll refer to it, but I will only take the first maybe 30 minutes or so 
uh, on this outline with the fellowship directed toward the parents and toward the serving saints. Because I, I, I really have some feeling, and I believe this is from the Lord, that, that uh, I'd like to speak directly to the young people for the last 30 minutes, uh, if that's okay. Um, and and uh, anyway, I hope, I hope that we can keep all their attention until then. Um, I know they're scattered here. Uh, maybe I'm out on, on separate devices, but in, especially in those clusters in, in different, in different meetings. Um, but anyway, let's, let's come back to, to this point. The, the, the God's, God's people, uh, his, their cooperation with him for his move. Uh, we just see this in, in the scriptures from beginning to end. Very often you see two generations together, two generations together. Um, so many of the, uh, uh, what some, what some people call the heroes of the faith, like, like, uh, David and, and Daniel and Samuel, uh, John the Baptist and different ones. Actually, just about every one of their stories. Actually, I, I think I can say every one of their stories. What you actually see is two generations working together to turn the, to turn the age. And, and it's very interesting to, to me that, that uh, the, the final two verses of the Old Testament, we, 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 we read these last night, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Malachi 4, 5 and 6. These, these verses uh, tell us that Elijah, you, you know Elijah, right? One of the great prophets in the Old Testament, who, who, who was taken by the Lord. He, he, he didn't see death. The Lord raptured, raptured him. And the Lord is preserving him somewhere. And he's coming back. He's coming back at the end of this age as, as one of those witnesses, as one of those witnesses in Revelation. And it, and it, and it tells us that, that, uh, in, in Malachi that, uh, he will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord, of Jehovah. And when he comes, he's coming with a very specific goal and purpose and commission. Uh, it is it is to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and and uh uh this will have its fulfillment this will have its fulfillment actually i believe that there are many eyes here <laughs> viewing this 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 fellowship today who will see that who will see that and and um um this fulfillment, though, of Elijah, of what he's coming before, before the coming of the Lord, actually before the, before the manifested coming of the Lord, um, has a, a pre-fulfillment or, or, or fulfillment in some measure in John the Baptist in, in Luke chapter one. In Luke chapter one, it says that John comes, he came in the spirit and power of Elijah to do what? Also with the same commission, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. And then it has this statement, to prepare for the Lord a people made ready. To prepare for the Lord a people made ready. And that shows us that the Lord wants 
before his coming, two generations, with their hearts turned to one another, working together to turn the age. And John came, John came to prepare the way before the Lord's first coming. And here we are again, saints, now before the Lord's second coming. And the implication is this has to occur in this age as well. So we as parents have to learn how to cooperate with the Lord for his move. Because, because saints, we, we didn't just give birth to children. We were entrusted with children. Because one of the verse that we read, Isaiah, um, uh, Psalm 127 says, the children are a heritage of Jehovah. That means they actually belong to him. Every one of our children belong to him and come from him. And they are entrusted to us for a period of time. And so we have to cooperate with him to, to, to mold these vessels, these young vessels for the Lord, for the Lord. And, and, uh, I want to, I want to jump to the very last two verses, um, that, that we, that we read, uh, in the, in the scripture reading. And these verses are not in this outline, but I added them with a very specific purpose. And they are John 15, 5. And Philippians 4.13. John 15.5. I think most of us are familiar, right? With, with that, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me. And I in him, he bears much fruit. And, and, and I want to emphasize the, 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 this phrase. For apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> apart from me, you can do nothing. And then Philippians 14, uh, 4.13 says, I am able to do all things in him who empowers me. So, dear parents, before I touch any points on the outline and cause you inadvertently to be condemned <laughs> because you feel, oh, I failed in this point, I failed in that point, oh, I haven't cooperated with God, and inevitably, after we share any of these points, uh, even already we've had testimonies this weekend where saints would say, oh, well, I feel I'm a failure. Uh, I, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. But before we get into any of that, I'd like to strengthen you. <laughs> We're all failures because apart from him, we can do nothing. But on the other hand, we can do all things in the one who empowers us. Actually, the one who empowers us is, is within us as the life-giving spirit. And he is in us with his divinity and his humanity. The one that we saw last night in Luke 24, wasn't that, <clears throat> wasn't that view of the Lord so precious again to see the way he, he touches the disciples, the backsliding disciples, the confused disciples, the disciples who are who are going the wrong way, how he joins them, talks with them, doesn't condemn them, but somehow knows how to touch their hearts. Touch their hearts. Oh, we want, don't we want this? Don't we want this? And we need this. And this is the way to cooperate. This is the way to cooperate with the Lord by being one with him, by being sensitive to the sense in our spirit even in how we speak with our children. Now, this, saints, this is, this is something that <clears throat> this is, a, I think, a big lesson for us. 
so that our home life is not different than our church life, than our meeting life. You know, we had a, uh, um, we came across some surveys uh, recently of, of, uh, uh, conducted among Christians, uh, trying to find out why Christian young people, teenagers, uh, uh, young, young people in their 20s and 30s, why they turn away from the faith or why they turn away from the groups that they grew up in. And, and when we found, I, we found a couple of surveys and to me it was very interesting and enlightening. And, and I think we, we are no different. And, um, a few of the reasons that they gave, I may have mentioned this to, to you all last time I was with you. Um, a few of the reasons that they gave, <laughs> number one, was hypocrisy. That, that they, they didn't feel that the people there uh, were, were, were living according to what they were saying. And, and, and I think this is, this is something, I, even as a young believer in Christianity, I, I, I saw some, some of this. Um, and, and the young ones get discouraged. Young ones get discouraged uh, by this. And I think we as parents, we don't want a double living. We don't want a double living. Um, but we have to admit, <laughs> we have to admit that there are expressions on our faces that we have that the saints never see. <laughs> the saints never see. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think I've ever shown an angry expression to either Brother Ben or Brother Ken or Brother Mauricio. <laughs> I, I don't think I've shown that kind of face, but <clears throat> to my boy, Oh, it's so easy and spontaneous. Don't you see I'm busy? Oh, 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 Lord. I, I, I hope, <laughs> I hope that, that I can, I can do all things in the one who empowers me. And even at home, express the Lord the way I aspire to express the Lord when I'm with the saints, that there would be one living, one living. That's cooperating with God. And just to be sensitive in our spirit, to follow the Lord's leading, to follow the Lord's leading, just to live Christ. And uh, actually, I, I've been a little surprised with the uh, response I've gotten about my Lego examples. Um, I mentioned Legos a couple of times, and I started getting texts from the saints. Um, what kind of Legos do you have? And so on. And uh, <laughs> I didn't tell the... I didn't tell the brothers this this morning when we were praying, but I, I got some, I, I got, I, maybe I distracted the saints with my examples. But my point, my point is that, that, uh, sometimes the Lord will lead us with our children just to sit with them, just to sit with them, the young children and, uh, and whatever they're into, whatever they're doing, just to join them. And if we would, if we would cooperate with the Lord, if we would cooperate with the Lord, to uh, um, follow the inner anointing. The Lord will lead us. The Lord will lead us and supply us just to be Jesusly human. And, and that opens people's hearts. That opens the hearts of the children. But the thing is at home, sometimes we're not so strict with ourselves to take the cross and follow the spirit. Because maybe we came home from a long day of work 
And we, we feel, I deserve some rest. I deserve some quiet. But my little girl is there playing. And there's a feeling, just take a few minutes. Just, just, sit, just sit with her. But I'd rather go maybe take a nap. I'd rather just freshen up. I'd rather take, do something. But the Lord is saying, no, just, just be with her. Just be with her. Sit with her. Oh, do you realize if we just say, amen, Lord. The Spirit is anointing us, even with the cross. <laughs> and, and it's not, it's not a great experience. It's, it's not, it's not, oh, we're bearing the cross. But we are. We're experiencing death and resurrection by just being there playing with the Legos or the dolls or the cars or whatever it is that they're, that, that, that they're playing with. Cool. This is, this is cooperating with God just to follow the, the inner leading the inner sense of life. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm realizing now probably I'm, I'm going to touch this outline very little. I'll just tell you right, right now. Um, because I do want to, I still, I still want to touch one big point with the, with the parents and the serving ones. But let me run through this just to give you a little overview uh, of the outline. And, and you could go back to read in, in the details, uh, and receive much later. And I'd like to, I'd like to let you know that this, this is actually the outline for chapter eight in the book that I showed you last night, raising up the next generation for the church line. So if you like, if you have that, that volume, you could go there and actually read the outline and read the chapter with all the excerpts. You will receive much more than from my little speaking here this morning. But Roman one, um, um, emphasizes the main point. The fulfillment of God's economy requires our cooperation. And to cooperate with God means to be bound together with Christ and to have one living with him in one life. You know, we read a statement like this. It sounds so lofty. <laughs> but how do we cooperate with God? And how do we how do we carry out being bound together with God? You, you know how things? By, 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 uh, at, at, at when we're home, there's a little feeling. There's a little feeling. Um, uh, ju- just, just ask your your wife. How was your day, dear? How was your day? And and then and then when she starts to pour out, uh, and and you were you were hoping to have an answer of two minutes, but after ten minutes, she's still pouring out, and and your patience is getting worn. Uh, right there, you're just inwardly, inwardly calling, not out loud. Don't start. Oh, Lord Jesus. I, I would recommend that you not call out, out loud as your, as your patience is being, being worn and, and stay engaged and stay interested. Stay brothers, stay interested. And inwardly, you're amen, Lord. Amen. I just love you. I just love you, Lord. Amen. You're with me. I can do all things in the one who empowers me. Amen. And then, and then you can, Enter into your 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 wife's feeling as she goes on about all the things that the children drove her crazy in today, and you might be feeling, well, I had a hard day at work too. Why didn't you ask me? No, let's deny that. Let's deny that because the Lord is leading you to be right there. That's where you should be. Do, do, do you realize you can be experiencing God's economy right there in that conversation? You have a little, and and then the Lord is expressed. Not by words from a life study, but 
by a little sympathy, just a, just a little sympathy and en- entering in. That you know what that is? You know, we 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 enjoyed we enjoyed this wonderful conference last weekend, the Chinese speaking conference. I hope many of you got to hear it, those messages. But in, in message four of the Chinese speaking conference was all on uh on uh grace in the books of Peter. You know, the whole conference was the grace of God in the economy of God. And and in in message four on Peter, we came to this verse in chapter three of Peter, first Peter three. Uh, joint heirs of the grace of life. Joint heirs of the grace of life. Saints, that's for our home life. That mom and dad can be joint heirs. <laughs> joint heirs of the grace of life. This can, this can be real and practical as we're, even as we're disciplining our children. You know, these, these, uh, couple of days we've been talking about, we've been talking about the hearts of the children. That, that God pays so much attention to man's heart. And, and we need to, we need to apply Genesis 2.15 to till the ground and to guard the garden to the hearts of our children. But we need to, we need to be with them, speak with them to, to open their hearts to us. And then if they're really open to us, Eventually, they'll be open to, to the Lord. And, and then uh, to guard. We need, we need to guard that the factors that come in to harden the hearts. We need to be on guard about, about, about all, all, all those things. But, but, but saints, there is, uh, there is grace for this. There's grace for this. And, of course, that's all on kind of on the positive side. But sometimes even we need to discipline our children. How do you discipline the children? With grace. Oh, that's a learning. That's a learning. Because, because the, the verse does say, I'm able to do all things in the one who empowers me. So how do you discipline? And, and actually through the discipline, gain their hearts more, not close their hearts. Sometimes when we as parents discipline, oh, the hearts get shut off, shut off. Saints, we, we need to be before the Lord. Even in disciplining, we can touch their hearts. I'll just say maybe just a couple of sentences about this. You know, man's heart, our heart, the human heart, the psychological heart, we know is comprised of four parts. We can see this very clearly in the book, The Economy of God. It's the, the parts of the soul, the mind, the emotion, and the will, and the conscience of our spirit. And, and in various places, Brother Lee in the ministry points out, the conscience is the leading part of the spirit, the leading, the, the main part of the spirit. So, so here you have mind, emotion, will, and conscience. And when we discipline our children, actually, what we want to do is not just convince them, not just train their will to do what's right. Actually, the, the effective way is to touch their conscience. And if you can touch their conscience, then their heart will be open. I, I've, I've experienced this and I've witnessed this. Actually, 
how does the Lord come to us in salvation? Very often, the initial salvation, the initial salvation, the Lord comes by convicting us of our sin. Maybe, maybe, maybe actually it's the love of God is presented to us. But in that love, even his dying love, what he did on, on the cross, we realize I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I, I, I need the Lord. Lord, I, Lord, what a mercy that you still love me. Even though I'm, I'm a sinner, you love me. Sometimes that's, at least when I, for me, that, that was my first encounter with Jesus Christ. My first encounter. At the age of seven, I want to say a little more about that to the young people in a few minutes. But I, 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 I was touched of my sin. And so, and, and, and that opens my heart to the Lord. And there's a principle here, saints. Even when, when, when disciplining the, the children, if we touch their conscience, their hearts will be, will be open. Um, okay. Let me come back to the, to, to the outline. Um, Roman two, uh, in Roman two, it says the church cannot go on if parents do not have a sense of being entrusted. God has committed a human body along with his soul into our hands. We do not want to see our children needing to be rescued back from the world. And, and for, for, for the, for this saints, uh, this really requires us as parents just being before the Lord about everything regarding the raising of our children. God's economy should affect, should affect every purchase in our home of all our belongings. God's economy should affect our vacations. God's economy should, should affect how the relationship that we have with, with our children. God's economy is the deciding factor. This is one of the, one, one of the points that you'll, you'll, you'll see here. But, but again, for this, apart from him, we can do nothing. I don't want anyone to be discouraged this morning. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And I can do all things in the one who empowers me. There is grace. There is grace for the, fam- for the family life. In uh, Roman 3, th- these are some very practical points. I'm sorry, I don't have the time to get into the details, says we should nurture the children in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. We should tell them what a proper Christian is by teaching them the discipline of the Lord. And this point is drawn from a chapter uh, uh, written uh, by Brother Nee on parenting. And I really would would uh, in, in, in encourage uh, encourage that. Actually, the, the next two points come from that from that chapter. Uh, that can be found in this series of messages, messages for building up new believers, messages for building up new believers. And there's one chapter on parenting. You have a, a lot more rich ministry from, from, from that source. But here it talks about when the children are young, fostering proper aspirations, proper aspirations. Then, uh, point B talks about uh, pride. Don't cultivate pride. We 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 do not we do not want to damage their self esteem. Uh, to have proper self esteem that that's very healthy 
for the young people, for the children. But on the other hand, sometimes we go too far and damage people's pride. And then that, that, that causes them to not act properly in society, in school, in their, later in their job. This is something we as parents should be cooperating with the Lord to take care of in their, in their younger years. A point C talks about appreciating others and learning how to lose gracefully. <laughs> you know, many of the children, uh, they have, they have, maybe they're offered a piece of cake and the cake is cut. They get the smaller half. <sighs> they just throw a, a tantrum. That's an opportunity for our molding the vessel, for our molding the vessel to cooperate with God <laughs> as parents entrusted for the Lord's, for the Lord's purpose. Saints, you see everything, everything in the raising of our children eventually can be tied to God's economy. I, I, I mentioned this to the serving saints. I, I, I think the other night that we, um, we need to have the Lord's mercy, not to have a myopic view where we just see what's in front of us. And sometimes I know that as, especially as young moms, it's very difficult not to have the myopic view because you're facing the diaper right there. You're facing the tantrum right there. You're facing the situation right there. But, but I hope through fellowship like this, through reading some of these ministry materials, the Lord would refresh you in your burden and your view that, Lord, you've entrusted this little vessel to me. I want to cooperate with you. I want to cooperate with you, Lord. Give me your grace. Give me your grace so that this little one will be produced as a being of the new Jerusalem. Lord, that's my goal. And I hope that even we as parents pray for that. I hope we pray for that and, are, and can be joint heirs of the grace in prayer. For, for, for our children like this. And then point D, making the proper choices is very important. And then point E, very practical, managing our affairs and our, and our, uh, properly. Managing our affairs and our belongings properly. And then a uh, Roman four, uh, talks about love, the atmosphere of love in our families. And, uh, uh, this is where I want to say a, a particular word to, to, to the parents and the serving saints. But let me read point four. The way a child grows up depends on the atmosphere in the family. They must receive nurturing love as they grow up and must experience lo- uh, love in the family. And so our brother talks here about, and these subpoints are taken from that chapter, uh, talks about fostering this atmosphere of, of love. But, but, um, uh, but saints, for this, for this, it really requires that all of us as parents, um, would go back to the Lord to be filled with His love. Uh, I asked the brothers to, 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 that we could sing Him 154 this morning. I don't know if you were surprised by that to have a song like that in a meeting like this. But the point is this, you know, there in that hymn, 154, uh, in English, uh, it says, uh, I am an empty vessel, <laughs> not one thought, 
or look of love to thee I have ever brought. Yet I may come and come again to thee. With this the empty sinner's only plea, thou lovest me. So the writer of this hymn realized, I'm not a source. I'm only a vessel. I'm only a channel. So I need to come back to the source over and over again. And, and at times, saints, at times, at, whether at home or on our jobs, um, we might lose our temper. Why? No, there might be factors and reasons, but, but I, I know one factor is this, that we don't have enough supply from the Lord <laughs> and we haven't been refreshed by his love. When was the last time you were just refreshed by the love of the Lord? By the love of the Lord. Uh, I tell you, once once the Lord's love um, comes to you again, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded now of hymn 431, Thy mighty love, O God, constraineth me. You know, you know, you know that. Thy mighty love, O God, constraineth me. Forgive my voice. As some strong tide, it presses on its way. We sing this. A tide of love. And I think one line in that, in that, in that hymn says, Oh, tide of love flow in. And I, and I hope saints, I hope saints, we all would say that to the Lord. Actually, we could say that to the Lord right now. How about we say that to the Lord, wherever you are? Oh, tide of love flow in. Amen. Oh, tide of love flow in. But I hope, I hope that whether later today, tomorrow morning, very soon this week, we could have some times with the Lord to say, Lord, flow in again. Oh, tide of love, flow, flow in. Um, in the fellowship <clears throat> on Friday night with the serving saints and also yesterday in the morning, uh, so our first conference session, we, we spoke with the saints. Um, using this word, rekindling, <laughs> rekindling. And uh, the source of this is actually 2 Timothy 1, set 1, 6, where Paul is talking to Timothy, young Timothy. And he says, he says, I remind you, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God has not given you, verse 7, a spirit of cowardice to fear again, but of, spirit, but of, but of power, of love, and of sober-mindedness. And so, so the apostle is saying, I remind you, I remind you, which means I know that you already know. <laughs> I know that you already know. And saints, we, we all already know. We know God's economy. We know we have a spirit. Uh, maybe nothing here that I've mentioned this morning is new to anyone. I'm just reminding you, but we need the reminders because the reminders fan us into flame. We, we might know, but we're not burning. That love is not burning for the Lord. And, and I, I realize, I realize particularly the events of the last two years. The events of the last two years in an unpressed, the whole world has experienced something unprecedented. And, and, uh, it's, it's upended our lives. 
and and it's it's affected our church life. Of course, now I I, I see uh, in in various of the screens here, I can see that there are clusters of saints in the in the different meeting halls. That's that's really good, wonderful here in New York. The same, but I can tell you we're we're not back to capacity. Maybe about fifty percent in each of the nine meeting halls. Um, so we're gradually moving back to what we feel, you know, kind of normal. Um, but, but saints, we've been affected and, and the isolation, the remote learning, uh, for the, for the children, uh, and then sometimes in school, sometimes not uh, all this. We know it has, it has had even a psychological effect on, on, on especially the younger generation. But I think not just the younger generation, not just the children and the teenagers, the college students. I think on all of us, on all of us. And and so <laughs> I do feel that we all, we all in the Lord's recovery are at a particular point where we all need a little rekindling. <laughs> we all we all need a little reset. <laughs> we we need we need a kind of reinforcement. Uh, we need a kind of recalibration. Um, a lot of re, a lot of re. <laughs> we need, we need some renewing. We surely, we surely need a renewing of our zeal for the church services, for the practical services. You know, now we are uh, in here in New York City. We're meeting again in person, and and. Uh, the saints are reintroduced to the meeting hall. <laughs> Some of them haven't been to the meeting hall in so long. And the meeting hall needs to be cleaned. I, re- I remember the days where Saturday morning, there were so many saints in the hall cleaning together and enjoying the Lord together, maybe have a little breakfast or together and some prayer. And there was such a sweet atmosphere. And I don't mean, I don't mean that, you know, let's go back to the good old days. I, I don't mean that, but, but, there certainly does need to be a rekindling of the fire for the church service in various aspects of church service. But saints, the first thing that has to be rekindled is not this or that. The first thing that has to be rekindled is our love for the Lord. (laughs) Our love for the Lord has to be rekindled. You know, I mentioned to the saints that uh, actually the Darby translation the, what uh, J.N. Darby has this translation called the new translation. Uh, and and uh, it's ve- actually very difficult to read <laughs> that translation, at least for me. But what, uh, something I appreciate, it's very strict according to the Greek. And, and in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6, instead of the word fanning into flame, Darby uses the word rekindle. I remind you to rekindle the flame. And I, and I also saw a, uh, uh, the amplified version of the New Testament. And, and there, very interesting. It has the, all the phrases. It says to fan the flame, rekindle the fire, uh, like this. It, it, it mentions all of them in, in, in succession. Saints, we, we need to fan the embers, you know, uh, um, the fire has not gone out. We shouldn't believe the lie of the enemy. It's not that there's no fire. You know, when, 
someone gave, I don't recall if it was here in, 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 in our conference here, or I heard this earlier in the week uh, about a, a, a brother who was, who was, uh, yeah, I think it was one of the confirming testimonies that when he was uh, like a Cub Scout or something, when he was <laughs> a boy and, and uh, one of the things he liked, he, 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 he learned to do was to set ablaze a big bonfire. And then, and then he learned, they learned how to re, like stoke the fire the next time. And that was very, uh, uh, very insightful. And they would dig through all the ashes and they would find an ember with the fire still burning inside. And all you had to do was fan it or bring a few of these embers together and, 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 and whew, the, the, the fire would be there again. But that shows that it's, it doesn't mean you have to start over. And, 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 and strike the match again or, 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 you know, light the fire again. The fire is still there and saints, the fire is still in all of us because we have a spirit of power. We have a spirit of love and we have a spirit of sober mindedness. Actually, I hope we all say that. I have a spirit of power. <laughs> I have, I have a spirit of love and I have a spirit of sober mindedness. I just need to fan it. I just need to exercise it. And, and, and it, you know how, how it gets fanned by the embers coming together. And maybe in a conference meeting like this, maybe in your group meeting, maybe just two brothers coming together for dinner or lunch. I was, I had a, I had a dinner with three brothers the other night. And oh, I tell you, we were just loving the, uh, we were, it started so just, normally and and so on i tell after an hour the brothers were just so we we're all so filled with the spirit and encouraged just by being together and, and saints saints nothing kindles the fire like seeing the love of the lord afresh like seeing the love of the lord afresh and so with on that point actually i want to kind of segue and and say something to the to the young people to the young people for the remainder of the time. And, and because, because dear, dear saints, dear young people, um, I know I, I don't know many of you, but I, I've seen you in, in, when I was there in person, at least the two times I got to know some of you there. Um, you know, I, I want to give you a testimony and a charge, a testimony and a charge. Um, I, I, I was, I was raised in a, in a half Christian home. Uh, my mother loved the Lord very much. I, I wish I had time to tell you her salvation story and the story of my sister's salvation. Um, because that happened before I, I was born, but the Lord was with my family. The Lord was with my family. And, and I would encourage you <clears throat> someday to, if you haven't done this, talk to your parents or your grandparents to find out what is their story. And, and, um, I, I, I did this. I did this before my mom's departure. <clears throat> my, my mom and dad are with the Lord. Um, but actually my, my dad just passed away, uh, less than four years ago at the age of 99, <laughs> at the age of 99. But he was not a believer at that time in my childhood. He was not a believer. He was so much in the world. <laughs> I won't get into it, but 
so much in the world. But he loved me very much. But he loved me very much. And so, uh, <clears throat> but he wasn't a pattern as a Christian. He wasn't a pattern as a Christian. And, and, uh, so anyway, my mom and my sister were saved. I also have two other brothers. And, um, actually I just lost my eldest brother, um, two months ago, uh, to be with, he went to be with the Lord. <clears throat> I, I got him saved and I got, I baptized him in my mom's bathtub <laughs> back, back in 19, back in 1987. And I got my own, my dad saved too. I got my dad saved. I have that privilege. I have that privilege at the age of 69, at the age of 69. And then the Lord gave him an extra 30 years. Uh, what a, what a, it's just a mercy, just a mercy. But anyway, in my childhood, <clears throat> um, uh, we were raised in a, uh, my mom was attending a brethren denomination. And, uh, some of you may not, may not know what that entails or means, but it was very fundamental, very much believing the Bible and actually many of the truths that we enjoy today. The foundation was laid by that group of brothers in history known as the brethren. Um, but anyway, when I was, when I was seven, uh, I had this experience, uh, at home, at home. It was actually Friday the 13th, <laughs> Friday the 13th, 1965. Sorry. I know that sounds ancient to some of you. Um, 1965. And, uh, my sister shared the gospel with me at home. She was 16 years old, almost 17. She's almost 10 years, uh, my senior. And, um, that night, uh, even though I was, I was raised going to Sunday school, um, I, I knew some of the, you know, a little bit about, about the story of Jesus, but she presented to me, um, salvation. And that night, <clears throat> um, the love of the Lord, I, I met the love of the Lord for the first time in my life. And, and I can tell you, that it's very interesting. So many things I cannot remember from my childhood, but I remember that night so vividly as if it was last night. Um, in Brooklyn, New York, at 1118 Putnam Avenue in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, and and uh, sorry, saints, for the, the translators. That, 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 that was the address. <laughs> that was the address. Um, but, but, uh, in a very simple way, she was actually preparing her lesson for Sunday school. She, at, at 16 years of age, she was a Sunday school teacher and it was just her with like five or six girls who were, uh, uh, third graders, eight years old. And she taught this, this group. And so, um, she was preparing the lesson and using, <clears throat> using, uh, um, I'm not sure if, 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 uh, any of you are familiar with flannel graph, flannel graph. So, yeah, if, if, if this would be done today, it would be done with a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> you know, using, using the computer. But anyway, we didn't have that then. So she had this, this, uh, sheet, which, uh, certain material that, that you could take a piece of paper and stick it there and it stays there. And so there's a picture. So it was a background of a, a meadow. And then she had the, the, telling the story of the, of the, uh, man who had a hundred sheep and, um, lost one. And so she had a picture of 
like a, a, you know, a flock of sheep. And then there was one separate one. And of course, it's not animated. So she had to move it like that. And, but please remember, I was seven. So even that was interesting to me. And then she put the flock aside and put the sheep by itself and then had a picture of the shepherd. Okay. Then again, she moved the shepherd around because he's looking for the sheep. <laughs> and, and, and then when, when he found the sheep, she told me, you know what he did? Of course, I didn't know. He says, she put the sheep on his shoulders. Put the sheep on his shoulders. And he brought the sheep back to the flock. And, and he rejoiced. And, and this is a picture, she told me, of what Jesus did on the cross. And she, t- she asked me, do you know who the lost sheep is? I said, no. She said, you are. I said, really? She goes, yes. So, you know, again, I'm seven. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> I was enthralled, you know, I was enthralled. This was at our dining room in this little apartment in, in, in Brooklyn. And, and, uh, um, and, and she said, you know, you, you know that when, with, when the man had the sheep on his shoulders, Jesus on the cross had you on his shoulders. Actually, he had all of us on his shoulders. Actually, he took not only you, he took all your sin, all your sin, and he bore it on the cross. And and through that little speaking, uh, the love, the tide of love, <laughs> the tide of love flew into the heart of this seven-year-old boy. And she asked me if I wanted to receive the Lord as my Savior. I, I, uh, yeah. I didn't know what to do, how to do that. So she took out all those other pictures and, and she actually brought a picture of a heart, right? Of a heart. Of course, our, our, our psychological heart doesn't look like that, but that's the representation of the heart. And this heart <laughs> had a door on it <laughs> and she opened the door, she opened the door and there's a little man inside. <laughs> and that's supposed to be the Lord Jesus. And, and so. So she, she took, she taught, said this verse to me, Revelation 3.20. I think many of you know this verse, right? It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him and feast with him and he with me. So she said, you know how you open your heart to the Lord? I said, no. She said, you just pray. You want to pray? I said, yeah. So, so she took me to her room and, and we knelt down beside her bed. And, and she led me to pray, Lord, I'm a sinner and thank you. You love me and I receive you into my heart. And the love, the, the love of the Lord captured me from that moment until today. And it's not that light. And I, I haven't been a straight arrow, even though, uh, as I mentioned with some, I, I growing up, there and then later in the church life yes okay i had like a kind of good reputation as a as a good boy <laughs> doing the proper things in in but actually mm, only the lord knew my heart i wasn't as straight an arrow as they thought but the lord's love the lord's love was always with me and then when i was 12 i had another experience another experience and uh, uh, 
I was still in the denomination <laughs> and my father was still not saved. I got baptized when I was 12, uh, right around my birthday. So in the springtime and, and, uh, now it's 12 and a half. And actually when I, at my baptism, at my baptism, I want to tell you, my sister, my sister gifted me this, this Bible right here, this Bible, this King James version. This was the first new Bible that I had ever owned. It's like, it's, it's kind of tattered and, in pieces right now. Sorry, I'm just going to set it down. I just wanted to show you that. Um, but this, uh, young people, I just want to tell you, I don't know exactly, I don't know exactly why, I don't know exactly how, but in my heart, from, from the day of my baptism, I just had a love for the Word of God. I just had a love for the Word of God. So I would just read it. And nobody had to tell me to read it. I would read it, and it, it it was like it was like this, and I, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a, just a little bit dramatic, um, and 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 kind of state the point. But it did feel like this in my heart, like I would open the book and oh, Jesus was here. <laughs> it's not like a genie in a bottle. I, I don't mean that, but when I would read this book, I felt the Lord's presence. I was so real, and and particularly. When I read the Psalms, I would just like to read the Psalms and, and, and because they were saying so genuine, seemed so genuine. And David talked to God, um, mostly when he was sad, bitter. Sometimes it was in awe. Oh, what is, when I look at the heavens, what is, who am I that you would care about me? And I would say that to the Lord. Yes, Lord, who am I? I'm nothing special. But you love me. I, I got. I, I would be overwhelmed with this love, just in my room reading my Bible, twelve-year-old boy. And then at other times, you know, you're not supposed to do this in in the in the New Testament. We're we're, we're taught you should love your enemies, right? <laughs> but David says things like this: "Oh Lord, avenge my enemy. Oh Lord, you know, get back at them all. You know." And I and I, I read that. I said, "Wow, I didn't know you could talk to the Lord that way. This is great." So I learned how to talk to the Lord about everything and tell him exactly how I feel. Anyway, now I'm 12 and a half. My dad's not saved yet. And uh, still in the denomination. And uh, sorry, saints, forgive me for mentioning this, but we put on a Christmas play. <laughs> put on a Christmas play. I know we don't practice these kind of things. But uh, when when my... When my um, when, when I was in, in my school, if I was in a play at school, then, then my dad would always come to watch me, you know? My, uh, the, the, the epitome of my elementary school career was to play Winthrop Peru in The Music Man. Sorry, I, I know many of you don't know what that is. But, uh, it, you know, it was a play, The Music Man. And, and I, 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 was, I had a role there. My dad would come. Okay, so now we're ha- having a crit, so-called quote unquote Christmas play to preach the gospel. That was the motive, you know, to preach the gospel. And 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 the point of the play, and this is what I want to tell you, the, the, the young people, the point of the play was this. This was that like the, the main burden of the play. To tell people this. The sorry, the 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 kind of a quote unquote the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> but it was this that Jesus was born to die for you. 
Jesus was born. He came to this earth. He came to die. But he came to die for you. Okay, so I wanted my dad to hear this message. So I invited him. So, I mean, so, so I participated in the play, which was put on by mostly teenagers, you know, the, the young people in the congregation. And again, I was still 12. I was in the younger group of the young people. But I had a role. And, 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 and I, I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember my lines. But I do know that I was in the final scene. And, and on, on, uh, on that Thursday night, Thursday night in December, we were going to present the play on Friday and Saturday. But that Thursday night, we had a, what's called a dress rehearsal. And I was, I was, if, if you're, if you're facing the, 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 uh, if you're facing the stage, I was behind the curtain on this side, on this side. And because it was the dress rehearsal and I was in the final scene, there was nobody else with me. There were two people on the stage, a brother and a sister. And, and they were, they were sitting at a table and, and the thought, the, 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 culminating scene right the 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 main scene was was, this is what the whole play was about she was going to explain to him the true meaning of christmas jesus was born to die for you and so that's what it's all about that that those few minutes there and then uh, after after that i would i would i was supposed to come out and say something and the play would end okay so I'm here alone behind the curtain and I'm listening to the sister tell the brother. And through her speaking, I do not understand. The Lord visited me behind that curtain and the Lord spoke to me and the Lord touched my heart again. And this message just melted my heart. I came. To die for you. And, and that night, saints, that night, I gave my heart to the Lord. I gave my heart to the Lord. At 12 and a half. I didn't know what that would mean. I didn't know what that would mean. But I told the Lord, Lord, I want to serve you my whole life. My whole life is for you. I, 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 that consecration. I do believe has kept me till today. Again, not a straight arrow, not a straight arrow, ups and downs and unfaithful to the Lord at times, and but the Lord has kept me. Because of that experience, I want to tell you, young people, that, that even as a teenager, even as a middle schooler, even as a sixth or seventh grader, you can know the love of the Lord. You can know the love of the Lord. And you can give the Lord a valuable consecration. And, you know, it says, it says in Psalm 110, Psalm 110, verse 3 says, Your people will offer themselves willingly in the day of your warfare. In the splendor of their consecration, your young men will be to you like the dew from the womb of the dawn. And this verse, what it means is that when a young person consecrates their lives to the Lord, 
This is a refreshment to the Lord. It refreshes the Lord. It supplies the Lord. Can you imagine that? <laughs> to supply God? We grow up thinking God supplies me. But, but here we can, we can supply the Lord with refreshment like the dew. And it's in the day of warfare. And young brothers and sisters, we are in the day of warfare. And as we're getting closer and closer, I, I think you want to realize, I mean, I think you've already realized this. We're in a very particular age, very particular age. And, and this is now I want to start my charge to you. That was my testimony. Now my charge. You, you're alive at a very particular time, very particular time. And, and you know, there's, there's a, the, the Lord Jesus gives a, a, a parable in the book of Matthew. And it, and it talks about he hires some workers in his field at 6 a.m. And some others, 7 a.m. or 9 a.m. And they're working through the day. And, 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 and then at the 11th hour, which is 5 p.m. So the workday is 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? 12 hours. That's the workday. And at the 11th hour, he goes and looks for more workers and they come and, and, and the day ends, which means that this age ends and the Lord comes and now he repays all his servants. And he starts with the, with, he starts with the last ones. And that's, that's, that's where the, the phrase comes. The last shall be first, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And what it's referring to is the first generation of believers and apostles who were faithful, like Peter and John and James and Matthew. That's they're the first. But you know who's the last? It could be you. <laughs> it could be you. I believe it's you. I believe you will be the generation to welcome the Lord. I, I, I believe that. And, and dear young brothers and sisters, I hope, I hope you would, you would know the love of the Lord to the extent that you would just offer yourselves to him and tell him, Lord, use me for your purpose. Do, do whatever you want to do in me that I, I, I want, I want to serve you my whole life until your return. Lord, I even want to sacrifice for you. I want to sacrifice for you. And I know that's not too much. For a 12 year old to pray. That's not too much. It's not too much. And, and, and I want to close with this. I want to close with this to give you these two verses in Acts chapter 13. In Acts 13, it talks about David. David. Verses 22 and 33. In verse 22, the Lord says about him, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man according to my heart. A man according to my heart. But when you, you know what, dear saints, when, when you read the story of David in the Old Testament, he wasn't a straight arrow also. He made some mistakes. He made some big mistakes. He even fell into sin. But he repented and the Lord forgave him. And, and he knew, he, he didn't allow his failure to distance him from the Lord. He, he, because he knew the Lord's heart. He knew the Lord's heart. 
he, he was such a friend with the Lord. And the Lord was such a friend to him that he didn't allow even his sin to keep him away so long. But then verse 36, sorry, I said 33 before, but I meant 36. Verses 22 and 36. Now David, having served his own generation by the counsel of God. Dear young people, we can serve our generation according to God's economy, according to the counsel of God. You know, these days, there, there's a, there's, and, I, and I'm actually happy for this, that this generation in America is more socially aware than even when, when, I, when I was a teenager in my 20s. I think we were too self-centered as a generation. These days, there's an awareness for social justice and many things. And, and if you feel led and to, to, you know, channel some of your energies in, in, in those affairs, of course, that's a noble thing. But, but I want to tell you, actually, it's not too much. It's not too much to channel all your energy to serve your generation according to the counsel of God. To bring salvation to people. To bring the Lord to people. That they would know the love of the Lord. And then, and then their families could be affected. You could affect entire families just by gaining one of your friends. That'd be, that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that you could serve your generation in this way and bring your friends to be part of this generation that welcomes the king. <laughs> That welcomes the Lord back. So, so uh, I, I think I'll, I'll just I'll just stop here. Uh, I just want to encourage the young people. You're not too young to give the Lord such a consecration. Even sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, to love the Lord with everything. You know, it says in Romans five five that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So I hope that you would, using the word from, uh, that I said earlier. You would be rekindled in your love for the Lord because the love is already filling your heart. And then the last verse, 5 8, Romans 5 8. But God commends his own love to us that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I just so appreciate the Lord's, what the Lord did on the cross. Actually, I can give this testimony. My heart gets rekindled. My love for the Lord gets rekindled almost every Lord's Day through the Lord's Table meeting. The Lord's Table meeting, I, I, I remember even as a boy sitting in that Lord's Table meeting in the denomination, being touched again with the love, the dying love of the Lord, his sacrifice for me. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. Every time I take the bread in the cup, just about, I, I just am overwhelmed again. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I don't deserve any of this. You know what I am. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. So I hope the love of the Lord can be fresh to all of us, all of us, not just the young people, that our hearts would be kindled again. Amen. Brother Ben, I think I'll stop here and pass the meeting to you. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Ricky. Thank you so much. Uh, Brother Jerry, we'll turn to you now.
Brother Jerry McGill. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. There we go. Can you no, hear me? No. Yes, yes. Very good. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I was just saying I'm not as senior in the Lord as Brother Ben portrayed me. But anyway, I remember one time Brother Lee said, uh, don't call me old. <laughs> he was definitely not old, especially the longer he pursued the Lord. He was definitely, definitely not old. Anyway, uh, saints, I just, um, <clears throat> I was impressed, like I'm sure the rest of you were, that one of the biggest points of this time was to give us a view of what we as believers and as parents and grandparents should endeavor to do, and that is, first of all, to render the help to all mankind, especially our children. What we really need to render to them is the love of the Lord so that they too can and will love the Lord. If we do that, we can all retire. <laughs> we can all say, I've done what I was asked to do, to convey the love of the Lord. And in essence, that is the fathers turning to the children and the children to the fathers. Um, I wanted to mention a few things, but I mainly wanted to mention a few brothers who I consider uh, obviously, my shepherds, my senior brothers, uh, but especially to make this point that in order to bring people to the love of the Lord, first of all, we have to be loving the Lord. And I would say, especially in our home, how do you how do you portray the love of the Lord? Surely you love your children, <clears throat> but. That's not really our goal. Our goal is to bring them into the love of God. And so we need to practice in our living, especially at home. I would say doing two things. One, calling on the name of the Lord without that much reservation. Even make it a habit that your children hear you calling on the name of the Lord. And I would say the number two practice is to openly speak how much you love the Lord. Lord Jesus, I love you. I don't know about you, but when I came into the recovery, uh, one of the most striking things was these two things, the saints calling on the name of the Lord and actually telling the Lord, without any reservation, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I love you. I never heard that anywhere in, in uh, Christendom where I was, where I would go. But when I walked into a meeting of the church, these were one of the two outstanding things. Lord Jesus, I love you. And just calling on the name of the Lord for... <laughs> A long time in a lot of some meetings, uh, we would go to the Lord's table and leave 
with our ears hurting. You know, the, the ones walking on with the Lord, those two, those two young men walking with the Lord, their heart burned within them. Uh, sometimes our ears were burning. The meetings were so full of praise, so full of the love of the Lord. And I would say in the homes, it was very much the same. And the first home I went to was a single brother's apartment. And uh, one of the brothers who was there was in the kitchen cooking. And he invited my wife and I and another young couple. We were all young then. And this young brother was in the kitchen and he was calling on the name of the Lord while he was cooking. And we were in the other room and I would look over my wife and I said, what is he doing? And I, I just realized that was my initiation into the church life was calling on the Lord, the Lord's name and telling the Lord, I love you. So I would just say our children, not just our children, everyone, but especially our children need to hear their parents loving the Lord and calling on the name of the Lord. Not just when something (laughs) bad happens, like you drop a glass and break a glass. and Oh, Lord Jesus. Not that way. That's okay. But really to call on the Lord in a way of, of basically adoration. You're loving him. So you're calling on him all the time. And Actually, the Greek word to call means to epikaleo. That's the Greek, which means to call him, basically to come to you. Uh, Call out, call him forth. Lord Jesus, I need you. Anyway, I would say this is really a, a, a practice that all the parents need to enter into. Calling on the name of the Lord and loving him. Anyway, I want to uh, mention a few brothers, if I could uh, take the time, who were patterns to me. And uh, in 19, I'm sorry, in 2004, uh, I was able to go with the team in Dallas to Austin to the apprenticeship. And there was a brother there in the apprenticeship with us. Some of you know him. A lot of you do not, did not know him. His name was Dave Becker, and he was a a medical doctor. And Brother Dave, in his latter years, and he wasn't that old, but he he was obviously a practicing medical doctor and had a very good practice. Well, he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. And when he was diagnosed, uh, I'm not sure exactly the timeline, but as the disease was progressing, he made a decision that he was going to get put together a team from the Cambridge area and take them to the apprenticeship in Austin. And this was, I, I can't remember how many, Years the apprenticeship was going on at that time, but probably two or three years. So he was able to get a number of full timers and asked, probably asked some saints to drop their jobs 
and he brought a team to Austin and our team from the church in Dallas was there at the same time. And uh, he was at that point starting to, you were starting to see the effects of the disease. It's a terrible disease. I don't, some of you may know about it, but I, he, he was uh, at the point where he used a cane, but he was going on the campus at UT Austin every day with his team. And one day he gave his testimony. And I just want to uh, read this testimony to you. Basically, it was from Psalm 7118. And this was his testimony. He gave this testimony one night at the Lord's table. And this psalm says, so even into my old age and gray-headedness, O God, do not forsake me until I have declared your strength unto the next generation, your might unto everyone who is to come. Anyway, pardon me. That was his testimony. So you could say, He was in, sorry, he was in the spirit of Elijah. Anyway, that was a testimony to me and to all the ones there. And at one point when we came back and we were later on on the campus, we got into this uh, book, which I would recommend to the parents, to all the saints and the young people. And the title of the book is Young People's Training. And in this in this book, there's a chapter or a section on contacting people. And Brother Lee's fellowship was you contact people by entering into their situation. And this was a, a big help to us laboring on the campus because our tendency is to go and teach people and exhort people and we had a brother who came back from the training. Hope he's not bothered by this, if he recalls. <laughs> I've, I've, I think he knows I've testified this number of times. But when he came back to the training, he was like a lot of young people who come back from the training. They're somewhat constituted. They love the Lord. They love the word. They love the ministry. And they want to bear fruit. So they come back, and some of them will labor full time on the campus. So this brother came back. And he went to the campus, and one day we were fellowshiping with him. How was your time? How are your appointments? And he shared about meeting with this somewhat argumentative young college student, which a lot of college students like to argue. And as he was sharing with us, he said, well, he asked a question about this and this, and I set him straight. And the brother who was laboring, we were both actually laboring as player coaches together, we looked at each other (laughs) and we said, brother, actually, that's not what we're here for. We're not to set here to set people straight. We're here to bring them into God's economy, into the dispensing of the triune God, and especially into the love of God that they would consecrate to love the Lord the rest of their life. Anyway, we got the help, obviously, from the ministry, 
how to contact people is to get into their situation. And this was one of the points that Brother Ricky shared. With young people, you have to ask them, what did you enjoy? Where have, what have you enjoyed today? And sometimes it may not be something you we want to hear about, but we enter into their enjoyment. And then when we share what we enjoy, it draws them to enter into our experience. And maybe that's not necessarily something from the word initially, but whatever we're able to communicate with them that they can identify with, we basically start being drawn to each other. Anyway, that was Dave Becker's testimony. He told us that he put together this team to come, and he was on the campus with the team with his cane. There's another brother who helped us all a lot. His name is Benson Phillips, Ben's father. And I would, I want to share this particular verse too. To me, I remember him saying that he made a vow, he and his wife made a vow that they would never speak a negative word about the saints or the church life, especially in the presence of their children. You know, sometimes we get upset about things. We may even get offended and we may say something. We really have to guard our tongues. Anyway, this is the verse uh, that he referred to Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupt word, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only that, which is good for building up according to the need that it may give grace to those who hear. Isn't that wonderful? So basically I'm testifying what real senior brothers rendered to us in their ministry. And of course I want to end with another brother, brother witness Lee the last time Ricky was here with us, he had a two page, uh, two pages of questions that were asked uh, by saints to Brother Lee. And one of the questions was related to our children are graduating from high school. They're going to college. They're going to probably in a lot of places have to live in a dorm. A lot of universities require that. And so what do we do? How do we take care of them? And Brother Lee's answer to me was very, very helpful, saints. He said, of course, that is a very uh, difficult situation. You have to pray and consider before the Lord. But I would say this. I love, I love when Brother Lee would say that. But I would say this. He said, if you would... If you have a son and you would spend the first 13 years of his life educating him and inoculating him, and I especially word, like this word inoculation, uh, he said, if you would spend 13 years educating and inoculating your son, wherever he goes, he will be okay. Well, that means the parent's job 
mainly is to inoculate their children. Yes, we may owe them education, but inoculation is a big word. How do you do that? You do that by spending time with them and getting into their situation. When they come home, I remember our kids coming home. My teacher did so-and-so and such-and-such. And sometimes we would say, oh, well, did you deserve it? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't deserve it. Really, you were, you were lily white. You were innocent. Anyway, that's just an example uh, of helping your children by inoculating them related even to authority. And I remember one time, one of my children came and said, oh, that's serving one. She did so-and-so and such-and-such. And my wife would say, well, you know, uh, in the church, we receive all the believers, even you and me. And sometimes we would pray for those serving ones with our children. Anyway, Inoculation comes in many ways, but I would say that Brother Lee's conclusion in that fellowship was, if you would do this, parents, which is actually, he even said in that fellowship, parents, when you have children, you lose all your freedom. You have to raise your children. And then he said, but at the end, he said, but remember, it's still a matter of God's mercy. How your children end up, how they pursue the Lord, is really up to God's mercy. God has mercy on whom he will have mercy. So anyway, I just want to say these are some fellowship that we all have the opportunity by being with in the church life. I would like to conclude in this way. Sometimes with your children, you have you. You exhort them. And exhort is a good word. It's mentioned at least 30 plus times in the New Testament. And we're familiar with Romans 12, where Paul said, I exhort you, therefore, through the compassions of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Uh, Paul also uh, exhorted us in the love of the spirit. So I want to mention something to you. The actual meaning of the Greek word, we sometimes think exhort is to charge or to rebuke or actually the meaning of the word is to come alongside. It has two meanings, but primarily in the book of Hebrews, one of the outstanding phrases in Hebrews is come forward. So actually to exhort is to encourage whoever you're speaking to, to come forward to where you are. In other words, the Lord entered into the Holy of Holies. So his charge was, or his exhortation was, come forward to the Holy of Holies. So he was in the Holy of Holies. Well, that's where we as parents and grandparents need to be. We need to be where we want our children to be. 
we can't really exhort them if we're not where they need to come to. So what does that mean? It means we need to have a life in the church life, but we also need to have a living in our home that when we call on the Lord, that in itself is an exhortation. When we say, Lord Jesus, I love you, that means I am in another realm, and that's where I want you to be, whether it's someone new we're taking care of or it's our own children. So anyway, I just want to end with that, and mainly I enjoy and have enjoyed the testimony of all those who have gone before us who were patterns to us, especially in this realm that we're talking about today, where the fathers turn to the children and the children to the fathers. Mm-hmm. Sorry to take so long, saints. But anyway, praise the Lord for this conference. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing, Brother Jerry. You know, I, I'd just like to mention really quickly, since you mentioned my dad, that he kept his promise. He kept his word. All my years growing up, I never heard him speak a negative word about the church or about any saint. And I found out some years later that he and my mom, I don't know if you heard this, decided they wanted for us as we were growing up to consider the church where we were as a garden of Eden. Very pleasant place. Uh, not a place filled with problems or this kind of thing. Um, so he, I just wanted to testify, you know, his, y'all, y'all know he's not able to do what he used to do. Um, but I have found it quite a high honor to be raised by him and uh, be under his care, you know, all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, I just confirm what you said. Uh, uh, these brothers that have gone before us are are quite a pattern for us. And I think we have to hold on to them and glean what we can from them Amen. Uh, for as long as we can. Ben, ben, I'd like to say one more thing. Sure. Saints, we have something in the recovery today that we did not have that much in the past. Brother Lee had a particular burden that he was bearing to release the truth, to release the interpreted word, life studies, everything he did. But he was he, he would say sometimes, I'm not able to do everything. So we have something today called the Bible tells me so. And I would say this is a great, great uh, storehouse of help, particularly for parents to use to raise their children. And saints, if you have not gone to the site, I just would exhort you, if it's okay for me to say that word, because I've seen it. I've been there some. And it's the Bible tells me so dot com. Just go there and see what they have, because it's mainly their labor is for the parents, it's for the family life. So anyway, that I would just want to 
mention this. It's a tremendous thing that we have today that's focused on the family. Amen. 